This Three Beards Media podcast may contain mature themes. And if you're not down with that, we got three words for you. Like the podcast. Nailed it. everybody welcome into actually episode three of the hawks eye view podcast i am your host andrew barber with my co-host here drew shipley and tonight we have a very special guest from hawkeye insider with 247 sports he's 6'5 he's a pop smoke enthusiast and he is dua lipa's future husband it's david eichel here with us on the podcast thanks for joining us david Man, I don't think I could have asked for a better intro. Seriously. What just I'm so humbled right now. I appreciate you guys uh having me on, especially after I just blocked in my my 2023 season prediction. So good timing on uh everyone's part. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get to that in just a second. We want to throw it off in our opening drive segment here with a really tough question for you. And it's where did your there it is catchphrase start? I think when I looked it up, the furthest back I could go was February of 2022, and it was about Caitlin Clark getting a triple-double, but Twitter wouldn't let me go back any further than that, and I know it started before then, so you tell us. Yeah, so based on my own research, because I got curious about that a couple days ago as well, it was actually when Deuce Hogan committed, you know, like 47 years ago, it kind of feels like at this point. but no, I mean, Iowa fans kind of knew they were in the front runner, at least in our community, at Hawkeye Insider. And I tweeted three simple words. There it is. And I think it ended up getting 80 to 85,000 views on Twitter. And I just said, okay, this is kind of just beyond stupid, right? I can't believe it got that sort of traction. Didn't really say it for a few more months. But then right when Cade McNamara committed on December 1st, again, Hawkeye Insider VIPs were well aware of that. I tweeted, there it is. That guy, I think 105,000 views impressions on twitter and i just said well i think this is going to become a meme at this point especially since i've argued that Cade mcnamara is probably one of the most important recruits that kirk ferentz has gotten in the past decade because you have to consider the transfer portal essentially recruiting at this point or nfl free agency as kirk and brian ferentz have both alluded to but after what iowa's been through on offense the past couple seasons to get a guy with Cade mcnamara's resume really really just shows volumes about where Kirk wants to go and I think he kind of knew his back was against the wall not in terms of legacy not in terms of getting fired but there was just gonna be a lot of active push to get to get Brian Ferentz out but right after the Cade McNamara commit I think is really when it started to take off as you know David here in the state of Iowa these these memes often end up in ray gun t-shirts seeing Sean Roberts our our mutual friend uh, sport one there at the Iowa State Fair uh, are you are you getting any NIL money from Ray Gun? 
<laughs> you know what? Here's here's the crazy part about that whole thing because it wasn't even my idea for the t-shirt, right? So you mentioned Sean Roberts. Sean Roberts is why the t-shirt happened. Because, you know, I talked to him a few days a week. Obviously, I go on kicks and oh with them. But, you know, I was texting him. He said, I want to make this happen. And I'm like, well, man, I don't have any contacts or that sort of thing. So go for it. Go do your thing. And so he texts the CEO and says, I think I just got it done. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I don't think much of it. And all of a sudden, I see a tweet like last week. Ray Gunn, Ray Gunn has tagged you in a photo. And I'm like thinking, okay, this is random. I see the shirt and I'm just like, there is no way that this actually happened it just got put in stores yesterday i was down in the iowa city ray gun shirt and where they put it hilarious they put me next to caitlin clark's damn it shirt and they put me next to deontay vines and luke lachey i'm like why is an iowa sports writer that nobody knows with all these premier athletes that he just covers i mean it's it's just crazy how it all happened and the funniest part was my mom ended up seeing on twitter and she had no idea it was happening either and i'm just like surprise <laughs> it was, it's cool though that's absolutely fantastic uh, we're going to go ahead and get into football here with first down David uh, wanted to lead off with this one instead of talking about the obvious talent the Hawkeyes put on the field this year with Cooper DeGene and Torrey Taylor returning preseason AP first team All-America the transfer portal scores of Cade McNamara Eric All and Caleb Brown who would you say are the under the radar guys that have had a good fall camp that uh, could be breakout players uh, this season? This is kind of an opt-out one, maybe a cheat code. I think Logan Jones is poised for a huge growth, huge jump at center. I mean, look, I think he had impossible shoes to fill. I mean, think of all the comparisons with him and Linderbaum, right? Two freakish athletes, two accomplished high school players, both start on the defensive line, both number 65, both Iowa natives. I mean, it's you can just go up and down the list. And I think people finally realized how good Tyler Linderbaum was. I mean, I think he is one of the best centers in Big Ten history. I think if he returned for another season at Iowa, one, it would have been stupid because how much money he would have given up or potentially put at risk. But I think he could have solidified to be up there with Remington as far as, you know, Big Ten centers go. I know he didn't play in the Big Ten just with where Nebraska was at that time. I really like Logan Jones and I'll say Seth Anderson. Look, I think Caleb Brown deserves a lot of the hype. I think he has some of the highest upside of any Iowa wide receiver we have seen in quite some time. I think he has tremendous quickness. I think he's got good hands. He's playing on the outside. I just think it's going to take him a few weeks for Caleb Brown to get going. But I was blown away by what I saw from Seth Anderson in the fall scrimmage. I mean, I think this is a guy that a lot of people forgot about. Two reasons. One, because Caleb Brown, the star power, right? That was maybe more unlikely than Cade coming to Iowa just because of how highly talented. Like an Ohio State wide receiver from wide receiver you leaves to go to one of the Big Ten's worst offenses in history. It's unprecedented. Um, but Anderson missed most of spring practice as well. So for him to go out there in the fall camp, do a really, really good job. I think people need to keep a close eye on him. I think Caleb Johnson has the running back one spot locked down. So I really don't think there's going to be a lot of room for LaShawn Williams and Jazzy and Patterson. Uh, but Patterson's put on a good amount of strength in that backfield as well. So I, I would point to those guys and I'll say Deontay Vines. I think Deontay Vines has a chance to be a reasonable player, a very capable player uh, for Iowa's offense. His biggest hurdle since he's arrived on campus has been injuries. So if he stays healthy, I think he can get you a few catches per game. And honestly, that's all Iowa's going to need out of them. They just need to be able to prevent defenses from stacking the box, which if you look at last year's film a lot, Teams knew what Iowa was running. I think teams knew what Iowa was running when Iowa didn't know what they were running. Like, that's just how far out of sorts it was. 
So I'd keep an eye on those guys for sure on the offensive side. Appreciate it. I like all those guys. Another guy that I think I'll go ahead and throw out there to you. I don't know if he's really under the radar because we've seen him start before, but how about Jamari Harris? Um, kind of maybe flying under the radar, a little bit unheralded because of the injuries last year. But when he was starting uh, the year before in 2021, he was good. And we've got Cooper DeGene and he gets all the hype deservedly so, but I like Jamari Harris myself, but uh, we're going to go a little off football topic. David, in all of your years covering 247 Sports for the Iowa Hawkeyes, what's been your favorite memory so far of just covering Iowa? Yeah, that's a really that's a good question. Uh, I do think the Penn State game when when Nico Regani caught that pass from Petrus, I just think that was one of those special moments. I know people were upset with how the season kind of just ended, but when you think about iconic moments in Kinnick I do think that that has to be up there because I think everybody knew right when that ball was up in the air like if they didn't complete that pass I don't think Iowa wins that game and it was a wide open pass Iowa did it was a great call by Brian Ferencz you got to give him the credit because they worked all game to be able to set that up but just the explosion there I think that was one of my favorite things and then two just on a personal kind of sentimental level that just it won't stick out to anybody else but it does to me one was the first game I ever covered in Iowa, and that was when Kirk Ferentz passed Hayden Fry in career wins. I mean, that was a lot of pressure I felt for me starting up basically a site. I had no name in Iowa, but to try to capture how crazy of a, a feat that was to pass Hayden Fry was big. And then I think back to last season, I'm sorry, two seasons ago, it was the season opener against Indiana. Remember, Indiana was a top 20 team. Uh, and people don't know this. It's actually the first time I've ever said this publicly. I gave my dad's eulogy two days before the season opener last year, and I decided to go to work. Uh, so right when Riley Moss had that pick six and the crowd kind of exploded, my dad was a lifelong Iowa fan, and I felt like I kind of hear, heard him cheering in like the backdrop. So just from a sentimental kind of emotional note for me, that was probably one of the more powerful moments I've had. Uh, again, not anything that really sticks out to anybody else, but that's just some behind the scenes stuff for me that I know is one of those things I'll, I'll always remember. Yeah. Uh, my worst memory was right after that Penn state game, uh, the Purdue game, yeah, uh, being number two yep. country and then that big letdown. But, uh, we're at halftime of the show tonight and let's toss it up to Revelton distillery. At Revelton distilling company, everyone has become a part of the Revelton family. From the Taylors and their daughter who helped perfect their award-winning gins, to the team who installed Lucy, our 33-foot-tall custom-made still, right down to the local farms that provide our coveted corn, and even the cows on those farms who consume our mash byproduct. Want to see the farm to flask come to life? Now you can tour Lucy and find out where we take Iowa's harvest and transform it into our finest spirits. Choose between a 45-minute tour or find out even more by scheduling a VIP behind-the-scenes tour to get the taste of the full Revelton experience. You can visit them at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa, or find all of Revelton's award-winning spirits at any local grocery or spirits retailer. Right, guys, we are back from halftime. We are here with David Eichholt. Uh, it is third down, David. I'm kind of a math guy, and I've done the math. I understand one of the prerequisites of the College Football Hall of Fame is career winning percentage greater than 60%. Uh, with the favorable, favorable schedule, the final year of the West Division, 
with all the talent on the roster, Kirk needs a 10 win season to surpass that 60% winning percentage. So it's a two part question. Is it a 10 win season and a trip to Indy or bust season? And if it is, could you see Kirk Ferentz walking away? He's 68 years old, conference expansion and whatnot, just wanting or, you know, needing to deal with trips to uh, Washington or Oregon or stuff like that. Yeah. So I think, again, it feels like we've talked about this for the last couple of years, right? And I don't blame people. I, I think the thing that I'll go back to is I'm kind of at the point where I think Kirk will be here for another three to five years. I just don't think he's ready to walk away. Now, if you would have asked me before COVID, would he still be coaching this team? I would have said no. I think COVID for the Iowa football program was so interesting on so many levels. Obviously, the racial disparity allegations were a huge, huge deal. And I'll always argue this. The win against Michigan State during that COVID year. Remember, Iowa dropped two games to open the season, Northwestern and Purdue back-to-back, right? If Iowa starts off 0-3, I think the, I think the ship sinks, and I think Kirk doesn't return. But I also think this, Kirk got a glimpse of what retirement was like during COVID where he couldn't travel, you know, you couldn't recruit, you couldn't have their traditional fall camp or summer workouts. I think Kirk realizes how bored he would be if he wasn't coaching football. And Kirk has said he's more energetic than ever. I mean, he's still incredibly sharp. He's still very witty. I mean, I don't really see any signs of, you know, just getting older. Um, and I think he's still in really, really good shape as well. So I would be surprised if Kirk doesn't last for another four to five years, if he really wants to. Now, the other side of this, and I think Andrew knows I put this on our board. Remember, Gary Barta could have fired Brian Ferentz this offseason. But the way I would push back on that is, and this is just my opinion. This is not anything I heard. So I want to make sure that's clear. I think Kirk decides to quit if they ended up firing Brian. I just think it would be an irreparable relationship. Iowa is one of the more, more interesting dynamics in the country as far as the athletic director and the football program and the relationship goes because Kirk is Iowa Athletics. Kirk has been Iowa Athletics for as much good reputation as he's had and good, you know, just credibility he's had. So it, it, it's a very just – it's a delicate situation. But I also think, again, if Brian Ferentz scores 326 points and Iowa goes to Indy, I think the noise calms down around him. And I think that's what's going to happen in my game-by-game -game predictions. 326 points, guys. Didn't do that on purpose either. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> no. All right. Th thanks, David. Yeah, I we talked about it in our preseason preview or in one of our earlier episodes, and I'm, I'm kind of with you in the camp of Kirk's not hanging it up anytime soon. Uh, but let's uh, – my next question, it kind of uh, is preempted by another Iowa legend in the, the media – industry and it's scott doctorman put out a great article for the athletic about the six key statistics that are going to define the iowa offense in 2023 and i want to ask you sort of a it's a huge question but i want to name off all of the six areas that scott named and you tell me either for the ones that are quantifiable that have actual numbers behind them you you give me numbers if you want to Yep. Or you just give me names of guys that you think will help Iowa improve in those areas. So red zone production, jet motion, fullback usage, wide receiver production, and then also, I believe, yards per carry slash sacks allowed, and then completion percentage 
that's one that we talk about a lot. So give me your thoughts. We'll kind of just go back and forth here, and that's where we'll probably uh, have the bulk of our conversation here tonight. <laughs> so start it off with red zone production for me. Yeah, I mean, I think that's arguably the most important stat to me because Iowa just has had no threat in the red zone. I mean, you look at the field goal numbers over the past few seasons, right? Iowa has the weapons to be able to do something with it. One, they have Caleb Johnson. I think Caleb Johnson is the most underrated back in the Big Ten. 24-7 sports, Brad Cropper said if there wasn't so many great backs in the Big Ten, people would be talking about him more. And I think that's a fair point. I mean, you got Blake Corum at Michigan, right? You have Travion Henderson at Ohio State, which people seem to be forgetting about. I mean, you have Braylon Allen at Wisconsin. Like, there are so many good backs in the Big Ten. But two, Cade Mac- this is where Cade McNamara needs to shine. I mean, I think, and Brian Ferentz even, because Iowa's gotten so predictable in the red zone over the past few seasons where any average fan that does is not even a diehard Iowa football fan, if they're just familiar with the way Iowa runs in the red zone, you could predict what they were going to do, and teams would prepare for that. Iowa had no true threat on the outside, and it's going to be up to Brian Ferentz to scheme up some things, Cade McNamara to run through his progressions, and Iowa has to have Eric All and Luke Lachey absolutely shine in those because I think that's where they can make the biggest difference is the two tight ends there. And I'll even throw out this. I think Caleb Brown needs to be a jet sweep guy in the red zone. I think Caleb Brown needs to line up on the outside and use his quick feet. And uh, you know, a guy, a thing that Iowa has not done really well over the past few years, especially in the red zone, it's the slant pattern. I mean, how many times when they had Marvin McNutt, DJK, you had guys on the outside do a one, two, boom, quick slant touchdown. I mean, we've saw that time and time again. And Iowa just has not had a guy that's been able to do that uh, throughout the past couple seasons. So I think those are just some guys that can make a big difference. But also just from a schematic standpoint, there are some very easy, makeable things that Iowa can get done to at least be more of a threat in the red zone. All right. Next one, you kind of touched on it. So I think I think we can maybe skip ahead. But Jet Motion, are we expecting Caleb Brown to kind of take on that Arlen Bruce role? Is there any other guys, maybe Seth Anderson? Um, any other guys that you could see kind of being used in more of those motion sets? Because when I think about that, I kind of think about the slot guys. Um, yeah. Will we see tight end out wide this year like we saw with Laporta? Will we see Lachey or Eric All going out wide again? Or what, what do you think? I'd love to see Eric All go out wide and keep Luke Lachey in the trenches. I, I think Luke's got a little bit of a bigger body. So I, I would throw Eric out there, but if they want to throw Luke, if they want to throw Luke out there and put Eric all on the inside, I think that's manageable. I mean, I don't think this is the best game plan, but it wouldn't surprise me if Iowa tries to get Nico Regani involved in the jet sweep. I just don't think Nico has the explosiveness that you truly need to get out of that. And then you kind of go up and down the room again. It's not that these guys are unathletic, but there's a difference between being athletic and being a guy that can just come off the edge and make something happen. Right. That straight line speed, like Amir Smith, Marset had it. I think Caleb Brown has it. And I know it's not going to happen. Cooper DeGene <laughs> runs about a sub 4-3. I mean, that's probably the guy you'd want to be able to do that and make it happen in the open field, but you can't risk the injury. So maybe they throw Nico back there. But, I mean, again, you look at the wide receiver and the first name I think of, it, it's going to be Caleb Brown. Maybe they throw Deontay Vines in there. Maybe that's worth a shot doing it a time or two. I don't think we'll see tight end end arounds this season. I just don't think you want to put Eric Alls back at risk even though he's apparently 100 percent. and luke lachey is just more of a big body not that he's slow but laporta i think had a little bit more of a burst than lachey has at least proven burst 
Right. And so then if we just keep going on, we got to talk about the fullback when we talk about Iowa offense. Right. And we've got a good one with Hayden Large. I mean, at least an amazing name. Uh, But so are we expecting Hayden Large to be out there as the fullback for the most of the season? And do we think it'll be more of like an H-back type role? Are we going to kind of transition the fullback position to be more of an H-back? I've heard some talk about that. Just curious if you were feeling the same way. I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's unrealistic. And I think Hayden playing tight end, that plays a big part. It's not like you're a linebacker flipping over to fullback because you know what they say about fullbacks, right? They just weren't good enough to cut it as linebackers, so they throw them at at fullback. But Hayden Large, I mean, look, he was a big addition. Obviously, he was friends with Isaac Tislaw, who Iowa was recruiting at receiver, who ended up going uh, to Arkansas. But with how low the tight end room is and there was immediate need for a fullback, you look at Large's kind of athletic profile – it makes a lot of sense. And if you think back to the spring scrimmage, he actually came down with quite a few catches. I mean, I think you could do a little bit of different things in there. And I think he's kind of wired like a fullback, which I think is a very underrated aspect. Because if you play fullback, you're a bit of a psychopath, right? I mean, you're just wired differently in order to be able to go hit guys like that time after time with real no reward or recognition. Uh, so I think Hay Large will be the team starting fullback. I think Iowa's going to stick tradition, traditionally to what they want to do. But I also think Brian will have to tinker with some things if they can't get defenses to not stack the box. Because, again, I think that's a big key along with the offensive line is can they prevent teams from putting 10 guys in the box, like nine guys in the box and having two guys on the side. Because the run game's destined for failure if you're overmatched. I mean, that that's just pure athleticism on Caleb Johnson or any of the other Iowa running backs if a big play ends up happening, if the odds are stacked against them. Fair enough. I think they need to throw on some 49ers tape and uh, get that Cal use check type role for Hayden large and for the fullback position at large, but um, yards per carry sacks allowed. Iowa had 38 sacks allowed and average under 2.92 yards per carry last season. That's not going to get it done. Who do you think you mentioned Logan Jones? Is there anybody else that's going to be beneficial to Iowa sort of correcting those numbers? At least we hope. I think a big key is two people. I know people want to focus on Rusty Feth and Dijon Parker, the transfers, but I think Connor Colby, this is make or break here. I mean, this is a guy who was talked about for a potential top three round draft pick, top two round draft pick by us coming out of high school. Four-star talent, very good player, offers from Ohio State, Michigan, et cetera. Now, look, he's been a little bit benefit against him because he's had a swap between tackle and guard, but they've settled in at guard for him. He started 24 games in two years. He, it's his time to really be able to piece it together and take you know, take that next level. That I think everybody that has watched him knows he can take. And then Mason Richmond, that's another guy who started for a couple of years. I think he has a good athletic profile, but there has to be some sort of consistency there. I know they're going to be lying up on the same side. I know Iowa needs a true tackle to set up. But if you can find three or four guys that can consistently give you a chance to do something, you can rotate on that fourth or fifth spot uh, between seven or eight guys just to see who's hot that game and who's not. Again, it's not the most ideal situation, but if you think about the way Iowa plays, I think they can get away with that. But if you talk about guys that need to step up, I I think it's Connor Colby's time. It's his make or break year because, again, I think Logan Jones is poised for a big, big year. He will not be Tyler Linderbaum, but this is going to be a guy that's going to be a very high floor, high ceiling kind of center because I do think Logan Jones is a pro prospect. There's just too much too much strength athleticism and football acumen for him not to be. 
completion percentage will Iowa specifically Cade break sixty percent this season? If Iowa does, you can almost guarantee that they're going the Big Ten West. I mean, look, Iowa has not had a quarterback since 2015 complete over 60% of its passes, and that's when C.J. Beathard did it. Iowa went 12-0 in the regular season. I think there is a direct correlation there. If Caden McNamara can just be a solid game manager and have that swagger, have that leadership that we've I've seen firsthand and that coaches and teammates have raved about, I think the quote that really changed my whole perception on Iowa season and really secured me on them winning 10 games this year, because I was between 9 and 10, right? is when I asked Blake Corum at Big Ten Media Days about Cade, and he just said he is a general. He demands accountability, but he finds a way to get you to respect him, and he earns that respect. And he doesn't do anything that he would not do himself. And it has nothing to do with Spencer Petras. I, I hate the conversation because I have, a, I have tremendous amounts of respect for Spencer Petras for the way he handle, has handled everything throughout his career from my, you know my interactions with him, et cetera. Uh, but Iowa's needed a guy with just some swagger at quarterback, and that's unapologetic about the way he goes about things. You think back to his first public comments after he committed to Iowa, right? He said, please tell me you're going to be the worst offense in the country. I want to hear that talk because it's going to be amazing when we go out there and we do this. I'm speaking, of course, about Cade McNamara uh, there. So I'm on the verge. I'm kind of going back and forth about it. I think he can get 61%. And if you can get 60 to 61%, it will not be an eye-popping dominant offense but it's efficient, and if Iowa makes the makeables, I think that's what they need to focus on rather than delivering 40 to 50-yard bombs down the field. Iowa just needs to have good third-down percentage. They have to control the clock, and they have to just have a solid game manager and be efficient on offense. I'm going to have to put a couple of your points together, David. You know, 2015, you said, was the last time we threw over 60% C.J. Beathard. Kirk 2.0 offense, double tight ends, back to George Kittle and Noah Fant, so then we have the tight end room to to utilize that again in the red zone, get those first downs, you know, in, in third and long situations to uh, move the ball down the field, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I've said this for sure. I think Eric All and Luke Lachey, if they stay healthy, I think they can rival TJ Hawkins and Noah Fant numbers. I, I think these guys are both pro prospects. Luke Lachey, I think, is going to skyrocket up draft boards this year once he gets put more on display. And also, I want to point this out. Sam Laporta might go down as one of the more underappreciated talents in Iowa uniform in the Ferentz era. Because if you look at him starting for the Lions this upcoming season and you look at his numbers at Iowa, specifically touchdowns, they're not eye-popping. But every review you've seen come out about him, every you know just sort of highlight we've seen from the Lions practice, I think people need to give Sam Laporta his flowers for how dominant and how good he was. There's a reason why he's a Mackey Award finalist despite having one touchdown last season. right? Like That's just how good he was. Uh, but look, Eric All wants to prove his back's 100%. I think Eric All has potential to be an all-conference caliber guy. His numbers are not eye-popping again. But given the way Iowa utilizes tight ends, I mean, I have, I will be surprised if both those guys don't have at least 500 to 550 receiving yards and, and four touchdowns. Like, I, I just think these two are that good. I've seen it up close. And the familiarity with Eric All and Cade McNamara can't go, you know, just glossed over. That chemistry is going to translate. That I wanted to ask you about the wide receiver production. What are some realistic numbers for the guys that are going to play wide receiver for Iowa this year? Because I think people have this perception that Caleb Brown's going to step in and be like a thousand yard guy. And that's just not reality. Um, so what can we expect from Nico Reg Regani, um, Caleb Brown, Deontay Vines, 
Seth Anderson, if you want to throw him in there together as a collective, what's a realistic number for yards and touchdowns in your mind? Yeah, this, this, this could range from anywhere. Right. And I mean, people need to realize this, you know, who was Iowa's leading touchdown receiver in the regular season last season? It was Cooper DeGene and Luke Lachey. One of them does not play on the offensive side of the football. <laughs> like the wide receiver production had to combine two touchdowns last season. That's unacceptable on every single level. I think Caleb Brown can come in. If Caleb Brown gives you 25 to 30 grabs, 350 yards, that is an outstanding season. I mean, that is like top of the line for him. And again, he has the potential to do a lot more than that. We're talking about a guy who has one career catch for five yards. I have never seen a louder reception from a fan base about a guy coming in with five yards in one reception. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving Iowa fans crap because he does have that level of talent. I mean, there's a reason why he was going to be at Ohio. He was at Ohio state. He was going to play this year. Now he wouldn't have been the top three. And I know people like to say, Oh, he was six or seven man down. He wasn't at least the people I've talked to that are well connected with in the program. He was probably going to be a starter next season for Ohio state in 2024. Had he stayed Nico, I think has kind of gotten rejuvenated. I think if he stays healthy, he can get you, he can be the, receptions leader for Iowa. I mean, 45, 50 from a wide receiver standpoint. And this is such a low bar and it's embarrassing that I'm talking about this. If, if Iowa gets six to eight touchdowns from wide receivers this year, and then you throw in what Caleb Johnson's going to bring, you throw in what Eric all and Luke Lachey are going to bring at tight end. That level of jump is so big. And I've also been critical of this is another thing. Iowa, I think has a problem with, and it's just my personal opinion. I don't think they give enough scholarships to wide receivers. I know it's difficult to recruit wide receivers, but if you look at the amount, the health wise for Iowa receivers, scholarship receivers, I don't think there's been a worse room in the country as far as injury luck goes. Iowa just does not have backups. I mean, if we're talking about walk-on guys, every single offseason stepping up, is that, are we really promoting the walk-on guys or are we saying that scholarship players are hurt? We have no way else to talk about from the physicians. And I think that's a legitimate gripe that Iowa fans have had, but we're, we can only rely upon what we're told. So I think if Iowa just proves that they are a threat on the perimeter, I, I don't know if I could give you exact statistics, but they need to prove they're a threat on the perimeter because that's the only way this offense is going to be efficient this season. I would rebuttal with one receiver in, in the history of Kirk Ferentz. Oliver Martin uh, ha had some hype yeah. too coming in and then yeah. obviously – he, he did even less than one catch five yards, I think, for Iowa. So, um, yeah. Well, he, here's what I'll say about Oliver. Oliver, remember, his first catch was a touchdown, I think. Because they played in that second it, quarter. It was. He did have the touchdown there. But Oliver Martin, you know, I, I don't want to speculate too much on because I don't like blasting a, a kid. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with him. I, I just think that I don't think he and the staff got along on some levels. And I'm not even saying that's Iowa staff's fault or Oliver Martin's fault. I just don't think they quite gelled. Oliver Martin had all the athletic gifts in the world. I do think there was something else holding him back. I've never really been able to pinpoint it, but he was always a great athlete. I mean, watching him at Iowa West. I mean, he, he had great hands, uh, but I will say Caleb Brown is ranked above him as far as the 24 seven sports composite ranking for coming in. And Oliver Martin also, the aspect of it is it was a hometown kid coming back. Right. I mean, that that's always a good storyline. There's always a lot of excitement there. Uh, 
But yeah, so I, I understand that and I don't, but I also don't think it's fair. I'm not saying you're doing this. I don't think it's fair for people to like, I think Caleb Brown's crafting his own journey. However, he turns out like I, there's so many early comparisons with him. I think people just need to take a, take a breath, let him continue to develop because right now at full volume, if he understands the Iowa system, I think Caleb Brown can be the most versatile weapon on Iowa's offense. Absolutely. And uh, this offense, really, it's giving me a lot of 2017 vibes with the offense. You mentioned Hawkinson and Fant, and then the leading receiver on that team was Nick Easley. And I think there's a little bit more talent in the wide receiver room than what 2017 had. Uh, we had Akram Wadley, and no disrespect to Akram, but I really like Caleb Johnson, and no disrespect to Nate Stanley. And so I got a lot of 2017 vibes from this Iowa offense. So uh, appreciate your answer to my very long-winded yeah question, no you're but, good <laughs> uh yeah i i'm getting some major 2017 offense vibes hopefully the defense is better than 2017 and then i will have a, the great season that you're talking about so i'll say this the really record, quick you're saying too, indy. the the the, the indie or bust absolutely uh, i think even if iowa wins yeah. 10 games doesn't go to indy that means they lost the game they couldn't afford to lose this is kirk ferentz's last chance for a big 10 title in my opinion at least the best chance at a Big Ten title. I mean, you look at USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington joining no divisions. This is the easiest easiest path for Iowa to get to a Big Ten title. Uh, and, you know, with all the weapons we talk about on offense, I think Caleb Johnson is going to be the best running back Iowa's had since Sean Green. I think I think Marcus Coker could have been up there. Akram Wally, no disrespect to him. Again, he was an outstanding player for Iowa. But Iowa has not had the speed, size, athleticism combination maybe in the Ferentz era that Caleb Johnson's upside has. Now, will he get there? I don't know. But I'm telling you, this dude was 18. I was interviewing him when he was a true freshman. He is sculpted like a Greek god. He Like, there's not one ounce of fat on him. He is just – he looks like an NFL back already. And I think that's what gets Liddell Betts really excited. And I think Liddell Betts was a very strong hire and obviously moving Abdul Hodge to tight ends. I think Abdul Hodge is already proving he's one of the best tight end coaches in the country. So, again – on paper, the pieces are there, but Brian Ferentz is at the helm, and the play calling and the scheme has to be there, and there needs to be all the pressure in the world on them. Yeah, that wraps up fourth down, David. Uh, we want to thank <laughs> you for your time coming on, and uh, wanted to give you the opportunity to uh, have a pitch. Uh, what what do you got coming out, <laughs> out on uh, 24-7? What, what we got to look forward to, David? Yeah, so I just put my game-by-game predictions at David Eichel at Hawkeyes on 24-7, HawkeyeInsider.com. I'll tease it with this. I think there's going to be a special in the next couple of days leading up to kickoff. So if you haven't hopped on board with us, we'd love to have you. I know Andrew's definitely on our board. And I, I appreciate his support, vocal support of uh, of what we do there. Be sure to follow Sean Bach on Twitter as well, my recruiting colleague at SBach 24-7. And uh, I'm flattered that I can set the bar low for future guests on this podcast, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. And now we're going to go ahead and hear a word from our sponsor, Kyle Lehman at Wintrust Mortgage. Are you in the market for a new house and unsure of the mortgage process? Want to know that you have someone looking out for you? Kyle Lehman from Wintrust Mortgage is a down-to-earth, knowledgeable lender who can be there for you in your corner. He can work with you in any of the 50 states and is just what you need to expand your home search. Kyle will work with you through the entire process with little to no work from you. Take the worry of the mortgage process out of the equation so that you can focus on looking for your dream home. 
Contact Kyle at www.wintrust.com forward slash Kyle dash Lehman or call him at 515-473-0546. Welcome back in. It's time for our final cut. And my final thought tonight is we've heard the news about the Cade McNamara injury. Everybody just relax take a deep breath. I think everything's going to be okay with Cade McNamara. Even if, I know there's a lot of optimism Kirk said about getting him back for week one, even if he does not play in week one, I think I will be a okay. It's more about the long-term health for Cade McNamara and Iowa's goals for the season. Uh, that remains more important than just shining bright in one game offensively. So everybody inhale and exhale deeply and try to enjoy every moment of what I think could be a very special season. Yeah. So my final cut, Andrew, actually tonight was the first night I realized that the math of 25 points per game comes to 326 for the season. And uh, I think they're, they're going to skyrocket through 326. I I don't think we're going to have a problem making 340, honestly. Um, Just like we had with uh, David there earlier in the episode, we're going to be much more dangerous in the red zone. Uh, with with our two tight end set, with Eric All and Luke Lachey, and uh, I don't I don't see points being a problem, Andrew. That's that's where I'm going with that. All right, thank you, thank you everybody for watching, listening. Uh, you can catch us. We'll have our full episode out there on all the major channels on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. But again, thank you everybody for listening. Appreciate you watching our show. And have a great night. Good evening.